Welcome to the Thinking Church podcast with Lee Button and me, Chris Bright. Thinking Church exists to help your church thrive by helping you think through key strategic topics of church life. Each week we'll be tackling a different subject of church life and we'll be joined by some special guests along the way. So if you like this podcast, why not give us a like, give us a rating and give us a review as well. So without further ado, get your thinking caps on and let's get on with this week's episode. Let's hit record. In fact, we're recording. Um, So that's a good start. So, hello, Lee. How are you doing? I'm I'm doing really well, thank you, Chris. It's a nice, bright, early start to the day. Can't can't say better, really, can we? It's good. I'm not. um, I've not been confined to the upstairs, which I normally am on a Friday morning when we record. Um, And also, that means I can test out my fancy new light, um, which uh, I've put a picture. I've put a kind of Insta story. On the on the Thinking Church page about so people can see my new light, uh, which I think is more way more boring than I think it is because I think it's really cool, but most people think it's really quite. Mate, boring. I'm you know me, I am I am all for uh, the kit and uh, tech, new toys, setting things up, trying, seeing what we've got and what improvements can be made. Uh, I mean, can, can I go for the world's most awful segue? Um, go for it. Go for it. I mean, this is. This is about you know what we've done with Thinking Church, what we're doing with the podcast, and how we're going to that next level, Chris. Great segue. I think like the segue is this is probably the, like your thing that you need to do every week is to whatever our random start is that you have to kind of segue us into it. And that's right. We are talking today about next level changes. Uh, so we this came from um, I put out an Insta story yesterday saying ask me a question and we had a number of questions come through which is really really cool and one of them is what one thing do you need to do that churches can do to go to the next level and I said at the time um, I said well get an outside perspective would be really helpful because just seeing things that you can't see is really really important so what I've done is I've asked Lee I've, I've asked you the same question and I've asked me the same question as well but I've not included that one because that was like that was like my Instagram answer. So I've decided let's give some, you know, fresh content rather than just repeating the same stuff. And so we've gone for three things each of our sort of next level changes. Is that, is that also because we're really terrible at maths? It's like, what one thing does a church need to do to level up? Well, here we go. Six. Ah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that could be true, actually. Um, yeah, well, maybe maybe that is definitely the case. Um, but ne- there we are. So, well, how about this? Value value for money. You you wanted just one? Here's yeah. six. You know what? Pick the, pick the ones that resonate and apply them to your context. That's Absolutely. what you need to do. Um, I, I've got a distinct feeling, though, that these probably all circle and overlap. And, the, you know, the Venn diagram of whatever we're about to come up with probably is fairly, fairly narrow. Well, I, well, let's let's dive into it and see where we go. And I think this will be really good fun. Lee, do you want to introduce your first next level change? So, my first next level change is like I feel like we need we need we need some soundboard next to get some little drum rolls. I can, and I can talk. Yeah, no. Um, <laughs> so, my my first one: What does a church need to do to level up? Reduce the number of things you do. 
Yes. Sounds really counterintuitive. You think as you grow, you do more. You think as you grow, you get the ability to go bigger and do many, many more things. Genuinely, if you want to go to the next level, you need to really get laser focused and do less but better. That's that's my thing. Like when when you're starting off, when you're getting things going, you try lots of things and see what sticks. Stop then doing everything. If you're going to go to the next level, focus in, work out what you're best at, just start kicking into that next gear and doubling down on those, really getting going. Um, that you that you are like, no, no, this is this is the track. This is where we're headed. Doesn't mean that you won't change it and maneuver as you go slightly, but reduce the number of things that you do so that you've got clarity in everything that you're saying. Um, yeah, and off you go. This reminds me of uh, a one of my favorite TV shows, which I haven't watched in a number of years. Uh, it is uh, Ramsey's Kitchen Nightmares. And so if you haven't seen it, it's normally set in America. I think they did an English version as well, but I didn't really watch that one. And what I like firstly, as a complete segue, they all call Gordon Ramsay, Chef Ramsay, which I just love. Um, so that, that's, that's, a, that's a great aside. And I apologize for my American accent. Uh, but Chef Ramsay comes into this restaurant. And I mean, it's, it's pretty much the same story every single time because they're all making the similar mistakes. He comes in. And, you know, the food's horrible and he's, you know, he just absolutely pans all the food. It's like really, you know, it's like, oh, it's just disgusting, all of these things. And then he, what he does is he comes in and actually sort of works with the team and helps them to work out what they're doing. And the first thing that normally is the case is they've got way too many things on their menu. And of course, when you've got loads of things on your menu, you have to have a large amount of stock and then you've got to keep that stock in reserve. And then normally they're keeping it for too long and it's going off. But then yep. you've got to buy all of that stock. and But actually, you see how this starts to... It's a, it's a yep. great little segue into church life because the more programs you've got, the more money it takes to do that well because doing... Oh, the more management takes, policies, process, procedures, yep. resources, staffing, management, it just goes on and on. But I mean, I, I went for, for my 30th and actually for, for me and my wife's uh, 10th anniversary, we went to a Michelin-style restaurant. Uh, different rest- restaurants, you know, we didn't just go to the same one. And in each restaurant, the mission style restaurant, they don't have a big menu. They've got a very small menu. It's uh, probably you've got a choice of, you know, three starters, three mains, three desserts. And, but the thing is, you know, that every single thing, whatever you choose, and I will, I will choose stuff when I go to a mission style restaurant that I probably don't like. I don't like Brussels sprouts but I had them at a Michelin style restaurant and I loved them. And that's because when you reduce things down, you up the quality because you've just got more resource to be able to do that. You've got more people to do that. You've got more, you've just got more ability to be able to focus. And uh, I would much rather churches, you're going to, you're going to level up if you did a few things really, really well. Yeah. It reminds me as well that there was, there was a, and with Apple and, you know, love them or hate them or, you know, what they're doing as, as, as a company, there was still a period in time that, you know, when, when Steve Jobs had been away, he returned to Apple and Apple had really gone, you know, shotgun approach to products. And they had dozens and dozens and dozens of products that they were creating. And 
he just went in and drew uh, a two by two block on the board and put desktop, laptop, and on the top, consumer and pro. We're going to have four products. Wow. Yeah. And it's now that's they've obviously the machine around it has grown over time that now enables them to be a platform and, you know, do many more things as a result. But actually from its, from its core piece, they, they're like, it's either portable or desktop. It's either consumer or pro. And they've pretty much kept that approach through then every product line. So then you go, oh, that's computing. But then they got into mobile and it probably applies about the same. So it's that that laser focus at that point in time also saved a company and gave them the trajectory that they're now on, where actually you go, oh, no, they're quite pervasive. There's many more things. They're a platform that other people can develop upon and do things. And now it's also creating economy and things around it. I mean, there's a whole different lesson in all of that. But, yeah, that's it. It's like, you know, narrow it down. Maybe, you know, what's your two by two of what you're doing as your church, where you just sort of like go, you know, young people, adults, you know, of faith, not of faith, and just just put it up. What four things are you going to really nail? Yeah. I mean, that obviously links into discipleship pathway as well. You know, you work out, okay, how are we going to take people along? And you just go, right, we're going to have one or two things on each thing. And we're not going to give four, five, six, seven options. We're going to keep it really nice and simple along that pathway, really simple. Because then you can focus on on the quality and, yeah. and, you, can, and you can focus on, okay, let's make sure that we've got you know, if you've got less, then you've got more leaders to be able to put into that, more more money to be able to put into that. What happens if, you know, if if you could have less programs, but more each volunteer felt really cared for because of what you were doing or each... each Let's go down. How busy people are, though. Yeah. Now, and and I say busy. Busy is not a badge we should wear. Like it's something, you know, that, you know, a mark of doing doing well which is the other thing is that, you know, we want that, we want to like eliminate busy, really. We want it to be that the, the church shouldn't become a burden, I think, on people that are coming in or give that sense of if you're not doing lots of stuff, then you're not really partaking in, you know, the life that you should have as a Christian. I think that's also, you know, doesn't doesn't give the right message about about where we're at. So it's like, you know, being really clear on what we do clear on what we don't but Chris I'm going to come to you because I just said like you know like young people old people of faith with faith this I think this ties into your number one as well of the kind of like who's it for like if you understand that so yeah you know dig into that for me because how does that help us level up like knowing that and are these things congruent yeah, so my first next level change is define your target market. And I think this is so important. If as a church, you want to go to that next level, whatever that means for you, you've got to know who you're doing it for. If, you, if, you, if you're making a product, you've got to know who you're making it for. But in reality, what we do as churches often is we kind of do what we want to do or do what we feel like is right to do and then hope people come along. Uh, but a way better way to think about it is to think, who am I serving? Who am I called to serve? Who am I called to reach? And then how can I design what I do around 
those people. There's um, and the thing is, what we're not going to get into is, and what it's not is about defining on someone's age or someone's ethnicity, um, someone's life stage, someone's geography, even because those things are uh, they're not really great ways of being able to uh, create groups these days. Um, actually, much better yeah. is um, marketing is based around psychographics, uh, which is a very uh interesting word and what it basically means is it is one of my favorite words to drop in yes it is most people when they kind of look at you kind of funny going what um and for you know rightly so i understand but what it just means is just attitudes interests and opinions uh there's a really uh, famous marketing guru called uh seth godin and he talks about this uh that there should be this kind of um aspiration that you have in that's your target market is people that have the same aspiration uh, of what they want in life so uh, my church that i go to i've helped them with their target market and their aspir their their target market is about people that want to change their life for, for the better it's quite an aspirational one and what we've started to see is that we reach it reaches quite middle class people but it also reaches people we've had a lot of people in our church that we've have been reached in the recovery community who are you know recovering from addiction and things like that because actually that that message and that um that aspirational nature of who we are and who we're trying to reach so it's people that are wanting to uh, you know get better in their maybe their careers maybe they're wanting to get better in their family life or or they're wanting to get better in terms of so it's all in terms of that like they have this aspiration to improve and we speak into those kinds of people. So we reach people who are middle class. We reach people who are, uh, you know, struggling with addictions. We reach people in all sectors. But the thing that's, you know, we reach people in you know, different areas. But what unites this is, is the same aspiration as they want to change their life for the better. And they want to be able to find the tools to be able to do that. And that's kind of this, um, it's kind of this kind of grand narrative. And that when you've got that, you can start to actually design ministry around that so you can start to think okay what things can i do if if that's what people want and this is what people believe how can i design ministry to to be able to do that really really well so now i'm thinking about okay on my sunday services how are we talking in the preach this because people this is what they're wanting they're wanting they're at being aspirational in their life they want to improve their life so okay let's me let me put that in you know how can i unpack the scriptures that will speak into that. Now, it doesn't mean that it's consumeristic. You know, you can still, you're still taking them on a journey where it's not about their life, but it's actually about laying your life down, laying it to Christ. So you still take people on a journey, but you're starting where people are at. And you can, and so then even it goes into groups and you think about when you're doing your, you know, if you're running groups, um, you think about, okay, what, um, what things are going to work for someone who's wants to be aspirational so maybe you have groups for people in recovery maybe you won't have groups for people who are wanting to uh grow in their business acumen or their leadership skills or th these kind of things and you can actually start to create things and work it much better and you will level up a lot quicker when you know who you're trying to reach and it's not about yeah. it's not about 25 to 35 you know young families it's not about that because there's things across all sectors of ages and races and genders and all these different you know sectors that we talk about which are demographics but if you have this one narrative of beliefs and wants in common then you can start to get something that's it's very very narrow because not every, it's not going to reach everyone. That's going to be the key thing. You're not going to reach everyone, but you will. Um, you will capture people quite broadly uh, by focusing on on those little things there.
Yeah, and that's it. it. I think churches need to get past this. We can be for everybody as if it's the role and responsibility of the individual installation of church. And I think that speaks more to church's technology in terms of like reach. When we think actually the church is the people and, the, you know, churches as, you know, institutions and, you know, setups around is that they all form one body. Mm-hmm. is we need better trust that the church down the road is reaching the people that maybe we don't yeah. and that we're not losing by not reaching those people because the body gains overall. And I think, it, I think some of what you're talking about, you know, being psychographic minded is, is um, a shift in perspective that says, if we gear this up and I've got all this resource <clears throat> and I can reach these people well, then I need to trust that the church down the road that's doing that is you know, there's no competition. We are this one thing. It's not I'm the one thing and therefore I've got to reach everybody. It's we're the one thing and together we will reach everybody. Um, and, you know, subtle shift, subtle shift in, in what it looks like, but being comfortable um, with who you're for, but also comfortable in that if somebody comes and they don't get on with it, that there is somewhere they where they will find a home. Yeah. I, and I, I think, think yeah, yeah, people speaking will find. That's right. And it will, it improves um, that kind of unity between churches. Cause I don't, I think unity between churches is not getting everyone together for a really awkward prayer meeting or a really awkward time of worship where, you know, whatever songs you pick, someone's not going to like it on it. It's all just feels a bit watered down. I think what real unity is, is championing that we're all trying to reach different kinds of people and we're all actually therefore interconnected and interlocked. And so we can actually, you know, the church down the road, like you said, they could be reaching a different kind of person. And so someone comes to your church and they may not fit very well. And you say, that's fine. This church down here, they're, they're brilliant for that. And they would way more suit you. Uh, and that's that's great. I know that there's a there's a really good story of, I hear of um, Craig Rochelle in America. And I think apparently, I'm, whether this is true or whether this is, you know, apocryphal, I'm not quite sure. Um, apparently every year he advertises other churches to his to his church and says, this church is great. If you want to go here, go here, you know, and he will actually say, that's fine. Because that, and I think this is, this is the good thing. Like people, if people are finding a better fit and it's, and different churches suit different kinds of people, that's really, really good. And it means that, that no church is ever in competition with each other. And they yeah, shouldn't be. We all win basically. Yeah. 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 I've had that. I remember talking, I remember talking to some people in, in, in my church and they loved it when the church was really small and of a certain size. I mean, these were highly pastoral, competent people, great people. But there was a struggle when the church actually started to really, after getting some health, really did grow. And they lost their way in it. But talking to them, I was like, do you think your people who, in serving people, should go and find another church that's 40 people and so into that because of everything you give at that, like genuinely, this was people, they were, I mean, and this, this, this transcends a few things because they were clearly about ministry in a certain way to a certain group. And it was like people finding their place and doing that. I, I'm much more about the, the sharing, the diversity. I don't think is ever going to be entirely represented in one unit of where we do one thing. 
because you still get like attracts like. There's still a whole bunch of behavioural things yeah. we have to overcome. But the church as a whole needs to represent the diversity of, of everything. Um, but again, when you go on attitudes and interests, you're, you're the cross-sector of who you might bring in against what you do well is going to be well represented. But, you know, there's still going to be some, yeah, there's still those things of, you know, where people actually have a ministry or, you know, something that they give that works better in one context to another and you might move beyond it in levelling up. Don't be scared in levelling up that some some people will, will make that move. But do it from a healthy perspective that values them for every contribution they've brought. That That's, that's kind of it. Brilliant. All right, Lee, let's go on to your second one. Uh, what is your second next level change? Next level change. God, I had to bring in one that was slightly uh, more dull compared to the other stuff, didn't I? Uh, this is, look at your systems. Yes. Look at what's in place that supports what you're doing. What got you to here won't get you to there kind of you know, viewpoint. Yeah. You know, the fact that you had a paper-based system when you were quite small and the fact that you've got you know, one person who did some bookkeeping or you, know, you could do gift aid manually. Um, <clears throat> Seriously, if you go into the next level, start to put things in place that allow you to operate at the next level. It's, you know, buy some things that are, there's right sizing, and then there's also getting a few things ready that you could grow into. So, you know, if you're if you're thinking and you start seeing and you've got this as a notion about where you're about to end up, start putting things in place today that prepare you for that. So, because nobody wants to wait until you are creaking to implement a new finance system. Nobody wants to wait until it's broken to put in a new safeguarding policy. That's the wrong time. If you know that you're going and you're leveling up, if you're going to that next level, this is one where, as dull as it might seem, double down. The more it's documented, the less you'll have to refer to it. But if it's there, it protects you. So get everything, everything in place. And, you know, if you're if you're moving up and you're aware that a person isn't right in the position or policies and procedures don't quite work and you need training for that individual to make them ready for what's coming or, you know, you've been, you know, like I said, you know, it's, you're moving from an Excel sheet to now using Expense Plus or QuickBooks or something like that for doing finance. Do it. Plan it. Put it in place. Do it early. And... Um, make sure that everybody understands why and how you're doing it. But yeah, in order to level up, you need systems in place and you need to have a good review. And that touches on the policies and procedures, protocols that you might need, making sure that they're appropriate. You know, big difference going from one church kid in your kid's work to having like, you know, a dozen families turn up who you've never encountered before. You know, if you're if you're looking seriously at that next level, this is a place of scrutiny where actually it says how you your attitude towards everything else. So if your systems are top notch, generally speaks that you have that attitude towards everything else you do as well. So I, th- <clears throat> I think we need to stand up to the scrutiny. Yeah, I remember uh, Kerry Newhoff, legend of the uh, uh, legend of church podcasting world, uh, and great podcast. Do listen to it. Um, and he said that most the reason most churches don't they struggle to grow and reach more people and these kind of things isn't spiritual, it's structural. And I really agree with that. And actually, when you look at things, it's the structural things that you just not, a lot of churches are just not structurally and systemically placed to be able to 
deal with more people coming in and so more people just don't come in because it's, yeah. it's not s systemically set up you know having the right things in place to deal with you know kids coming in and more you know if you've got your kids group from going from one to 20 it's a massive change and you need to think about those kind of things how you're going to think about giving and how are you going to think about how you plan your programs and all these kind of things and, and how do you communicate together and how do you set goals and all these kind of things that are going to take you to the next level uh the, the system is so important and so often i think church leaders get worried that they you know that it's a spiritual issue and they, they worry it's a something that is you know i know they've not been praying hard enough or they've not been believing enough in faith or all these kind of things and i think it's the, what's important to say to church leaders is that most of the time you're you know I, i'm i'm assuming that you know you're praying enough and that you're you know all those things that you should be doing you know don't want to say that, that that's not important it is really really important the spiritual side is massively important but i think most church leaders know that but what they forget is the systemic side about thinking about there's actually some things that just need to be in place and when you get yep. those things in place it it provides the uh environment where where more people can start to uh find church their home because you can you can you can help those people better. You've got things in place. So uh, yeah, no, I would, I would wholeheartedly uh, agree on that one. That's for sure. I think you're definitely nice um, talking to a lot of leaders where when it comes to policies, documentation, procedures, systems, and all the rest of it, we would like it to just be a prayer issue. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Um, I think it, it's easier yeah, because there is some hard work. And I think that's the, you know, going to the next level, actually underwriting all of this is you need to be prepared to put in some work. Um, that's, that's, what, that's what it comes down to. Some of these things need addressing and they need input that's not just soft input. You actually need to do the work. Um, and that, that's where we're at with this is, yeah, that's great. There's guidance, there's understanding, but you've also got obligations and, you know, it's easy. It's easy to come apart if you haven't got a process that's right. Um, it's easy to come unstuck if you something happens and you've not got the right insurance or the right cover. Um, so yeah, look at it all. It will help you. That's what you need to be looking at to get to the next level. Yeah, there's. So there's, Chris. Oh no, I was, was going to say just to add one more thing on there. There's um, there's a really great book that's worth reading uh, by Les McEwen called predictable success which i think is really worth a, a good read on this because we all want to be a church that is predictably successful you know people are coming to know jesus and they're getting discipled and you know great community stuff is happening all this kind of stuff that's predictable success but where we start you know a new church starts at this kind of like launch phase and it's a, you know it's the struggle for survival it's you know when you know we need to get enough offering money to come in to survive to keep the lights on and all that kind of stuff so you have that early stage then you hit this nice stage, which is what there's this kind of the second phase of getting towards predictable success, which is called fun, which is nice, but everything's quite simple. So this is where, you know, think your, your church is operating well and it's, yeah, but you can start to see a plateau there because everything's working really nicely, but you don't need a lot of systems in place. It's all quite, you know, it's all quite nice. It's all very relational. It's all got this, it's got this nice vibe. It's nice and small vibe. And it's, that it can feel great at that moment because you think, wow, this is really cool. Uh, but to get to predictable success, you've got to go through what's called white water, which I think is a fantastic name. And that white water is you've got to go from the simple, 
you've got to go through the complex. And the complexity is you've got to put the right systems in place to get you through to a place of predictably yeah. successful. Otherwise, you'll just plateau where you are. And I think a lot of churches are in that kind of fun stage and they want to get to predictable success where they're starting to really see more people come uh, you know, and be discipled and they're making doing these great things, but they feel like, oh, how do I get from here to there? And you've got to go through the white water and the white water is systems and putting in great processes because it's in that where you're trying to work out the complexity of things. Because like you said, like you've got one one child in your kids ministry going up to 20 suddenly you've got to look at registration and you've got to look at all of these systems whereas before it might be you know the pastor's son or daughter is you know is the kids ministry and he's just that's fine just look after them but suddenly you've got to put curriculums in place and you've yeah. got to put safeguarding in place um and all these different things that have got to be in place for, and and you've got to work on all of these things so don't don't hide away from the systems uh, because the systems are going to be the thing that are going to help you get through to being a, uh, that to that next level. So, yeah. Yeah. It's all trust signals as well. If the more of those things you have in place, the more it shows people coming in. And I would say that like, yeah, we said, you know, it's when you pass through complexity, it doesn't stay complex for long. Once you've sorted it, you know what you're doing. It's simple again. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why most people don't want to go through it because it looks like you're going to live in complexity. It's not true. The moment you've gone through that cycle, it's simple again. Um, yes. And build it in that that becomes part of the cycle. Um, yeah, absolutely. So, Chris, following on from that, that's two for me. What's your second one? So my second one for a next level change is create engaging content. Now, this sounds this sounds like a, just a s- simple truism, I think, but I think that most churches can work harder to make their content engaging. And what do I mean? What do I not mean by engaging? I do not mean that it has to have all of the lights and cameras and all these kind of things. I think they're great. I mean, I've got no problem with lights, cameras, stages, you know, all those kind of cool stuff. I think that they're, they're great, but that's not what I'm talking about. Engaging is is actually leading on from the target market. When you know who you're talking to, then you've got to create something that is content that they're going to want to engage with. They're going to want to talk about. They want to. They're going to want to think about. Uh, and I think it's really interesting how we sometimes think. You know, how do we get people engaged in the Bible? And yet you see some. You see famous, you know, probably not non-Christian lecturers talking about the Bible and they gather thousands. And, uh, and and that's actually something that's been happening in the last few years. So the thing is that when when you're talking about something that that is hitting the spot that they're that people are the needs and the problems that they're really, really facing, and the thing that they're trying to wrestle through and the thing they're trying to think through in life then your content becomes much more engaging. If you talk to that, then the Bible opens up and suddenly they're into this whole new world. And I think that's why we need to work a lot harder at making our content engaging. I sometimes worry that in church world, we've we've gone a little too shallow in, in our content, that actually we need more, more depth. And I think we, we think that's counterintuitive, that if we want to reach more people, go to the next level, we need to make it really understandable for people who've maybe never engaged with the Bible. But, in, but making it simple to understand and making it shallow aren't the same thing. To make things understandable is just about your language. But people still have a great depth 
to the need that's in their life and they really want to wrestle with deep things so let's so i think when you're making engaging content it still has to be it's got to be meaty it's got to be in depth it's got to be something that's going to uh challenge people but you can use terminology and words that are understandable so yeah depth with understandability i think is the is the key to this again touches on knowing who you're doing it for systems to support it bringing clarity central theming and stuff like that um and not you know i think being being narrow is like you it's hard to create content that's quite universal yeah so it, it's also going to be some people are going to get it and some people probably won't you don't you don't want to end up being generic yeah that's true something that quite uh stand out what what things then in kind of uh doing that just 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 to think like you know we said like systems and procedures what 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 do you do team and you know where does it where does it happen in in doing that where does it where does it start and like how do you involve people i well to think of what content you're going to do it needs to um you need a great planning process to think that through it doesn't just happen just on its own you know it, i think just the days of just writing a a preach and that being done is pr- probably long gone in fact m- much more now great preaching is a massively a team sport i think as much as anything and and they're not and not even just the preach it's the the whole service it's whatever you're doing whatever you know whether it's a group or or, or whatever um, and it's so it needs to be something that's that's thought through. You need to start from the place of your target market. Who are they? What's their aspirations? What are the problems that they're facing? And then look look at okay, what things can we speak to in that? How can we provide that depth? What are they really trying to get to? What they what's the real need? And then how can we speak to to that need? And that could be something that's um, it's, it's normally something internal. It's not normally you know. Um, it's not normally there's normally external problems so people could be facing problems at work or they could be facing all sorts of different things or they could be having you know an existential crisis about whether god exists or not those kind of things but it's always in something that it always comes to something internal and you're always speaking to an internal need and so working that through with a group of people in your church you know and and looking at it from what are the real needs and 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 getting people that have kind of a little bit of a cross section as well that have got different views on this kind of thing and but all but all gather around that same uh you they're still all part of that kind of target market that you're trying to reach uh you want to try and find those things of going okay how does that speak to you how does that speak to you how can we get real depth here uh how how can we say that well how can we open up scripture really really well and not not dumb it down but make it really, really deep. Um, so yeah, it's always a. I think it's always a, a team sport that you need to do. It needs to take. Time, you need to take time to plan it. Uh, you need to be planning it at least a month in advance. I think it takes time to develop and grow. And it's it's something that I do at my church. I, I work uh, with my church every. We work in series, so we won't just do one preach at a time and they stand alone. I know some churches do that, and that's great. Uh, but we do them where each preach sits in a series of four five six sometimes a bit longer and we plan that series out and we have it based around a whole curriculum of of different program of different 
preach topics that we're going to talk about and we'll go through different things so we've got a good, a good kind of balance of things and um, but we're thinking about okay how is this kind of person that we're trying to reach what are the things when it comes to say theology what are the things that they're thinking about what are the questions mm. that they've got and once once you can dive into that then you can go okay let's design a great series that is going to take people on a journey uh that's going to be something that's really engaging and so i think taking that time to do that working in advance uh, it's going to really, it's going to save you a lot of effort. And working, I think working as a team is so important. It's going to, you know, you uh, as a pastor, you do not have to do it all by yourself. You should have a have people with you that are going to speak into it and give you an aspect that you just won't see by yourself. Fantastic. I like that. A lot of food for thought. For sure. Okay, let's go on to your third one already okay so my, my third one a little bit different than the other two my third one is going to the next level you need to think generationally so what do i mean by that i think a lot of churches when they're when they're uh maybe smaller starting out or you've been there a long while and you haven't gone to that next level is you start just addressing the immediate the here and now tackling today's problem and what happens is it it just gets rather narrow and shallow in way where the thinking is it's almost about you know how do we keep the lights on how do we fix that next problem oh you know the christmas event is a surprise every year despite being fixed on the calendar you know that kind of thing (laughs) yeah Um, and and let's face it we've all been there there's no you know there's no shame in like saying no no that's us We've all been there where, you know, you know, coming up to it, sort of, sort of like, oh, have we thought about Easter? It's like, you know, oh, the central thing to our faith, the thing that we've, the thing on the calendar that doesn't really, you know, doesn't really change in like, you know, the time, time frame that it falls in. Yet we seem to get sometimes surprised by it. So I've got to think when I say think generationally, it's kind of like lifting up to a bit more of the, the horizon thing and going, Actually, if, if I put something in place and we're going to do an investment now, going to that next level, that next level, I have to start thinking beyond it being what we're doing next Sunday and what we're doing in a month's time to what impact is this going to have? You know, is what we're about to do going to have impact and give us a give us a, a route for five years, 10 years and 25 years? Now, that generationally might be a bit a bit large. But like if you're about to put a building in place, if your next level is about, you know, some level of uh, you know employment of somebody who's, you know, much younger, they could they, they could be around a very long time. So in going to the next level, start to think through and, you know, you, you can't make that so pinpoint you narrow down who you can pick because it just brings it really near field. Leave it open that you can invest into it as a space. Um, and start to think about you know what's the impact if I put if I do this today when my kids grow up into this will it still serve them Um, and you know we're not on about like detail here or specifics we're on about some of the the structures the principles about how we're doing stuff what's what's the trajectory that this is on and even if it's not like sort of like me passing to my kids what is it like me to the next generation to get to the next level, I think we need to start looking at things generationally about what that impact is, what that development is, what that process is, and what principles support it, and what kind of things kind of you know override any changes in you know uh, taste and fashion 
but what things are we putting in place that 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 will that will carry us through um particularly as for most people leveling up will cover buildings and employment um and you know leveling up will will cover expansion of certain ministries to age brackets um but even generationally if all of the people in your church today are 40 and all you know the majority of them in that bracket thinking generationally is what what kind of older person's programs are you sewing in today to give something for where your people are going to be in 20 years 25 30 years time um that for me is part of leveling up is to start thinking generationally and to start hooking into maybe what you've never experienced before so that you are ready for it. Yeah, I love that. I, I, there's something that me and my wife do when we're thinking about, and we're, we're leaders in our church. We're not church, we're not pastors, but we're leaders in our, our church. And we're constantly thinking about, you know, when you're, when you're in leadership in a church, you, what you realise is that you, you know, it's not your church. It, and you know i think that's it should be obvious but i think what you realize it's not all you are is a custodian of of the organization for a while and so yeah. you know that you weren't the custodian before and you won't be the custodian after you're just the custodian of it for a time and it makes you think okay firstly what am i doing in this time that's going to set up whoever's going to be the custodian of it next so that they can, they don't have to deal with the same issues we've dealt with. So that we, you know, they they are standing on our shoulders. That's what the first thing you want to make sure. Are they going to be standing on my shoulders? And the other the other thing that um, me and my wife talk about quite a lot is what's the type of church that we want our ch- like our children. Uh, Indy is six years old. Judah is three. You know, they're growing up in our church. What type of church do we want them to inherit from us? And, and that's a massive question. You know, do we want them to uh, inherit a church that is, you know, that is going stale and is, you know, losing its life and that they're just going to want to, as soon as they hit university age, want to going to want to just leave and find another place and move away? Or are we want to create a church that they're going to want to stick around in. And actually they think, oh, wow, this, you know, this is something that is something that I'd like to invest my life into and 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 it's obviously they don't have to um but it's something that we would like you know we want to give them that option that they can that is something that's just captures their heart and it's not something that's going to be so that we pass something on to them that that's the learnings that 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 i make in this time that it's not something that they're having to deal with exactly the same issues in 20 years time it's i think that's the essence for me of, of thinking generationally it's the 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 church that I have now must, it must move forward. I, and I think this is the, um, I guess it's the essence of the parable of, of the talents. And we were talking about this uh, before we, we came on and to record is that actually in the, what you've got, what you've been given, and maybe that's custodianship of the church, you know, is it's this responsibility that you've got to invest that and you can't just hold on to it and and then when you pass it on in 20 years time or 10 years time or whatever amount of time that nothing has happened, that you've not even tried. You've just, if all you've done is just taken it and, and all you've got is what, what you are handed and you just pass it on. I think that's, I think that, you know, you're accountable for that. Um, yeah. I think. And that's it. And, and that's, you know, if you've always plastered over the cracks and never addressed changing the systems, 
And it's like, oh, it's always been a headache, you know, handling this this way. But you've you've hidden that fact. You're not thinking generationally. Yeah. So if you know, if you're like going, oh no, this is good enough because it's all I've ever known, it's time to change it. Yeah. Like you need to be thinking what else? Like, and this this is what this is, yeah, this is often what happens. Also, if every time you get somebody new into the, you know, the senior leadership positions, it requires wholesale transition. Mm-hmm. Something's not right. Yeah. Because it should always be a continuation. And the you know, it's, you know, like I said, looking at, you know, like what's fashionable now will always change. You know, we've had the we've had the guitar worship, we've had piano worship, we've had big worship, we've had, you know, uh kind of like cafe style. You know, these things are just taste. And you know, and they will they they will change and they will come and go. The message pervades, all of that stays the same. But you know, somebody attuned to like what that is and where it's serving and, you know, the migration of people in your geographic area and all these kind of things will, you know, will, 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 will alter. But those fundamentals and the trajectory that you are on and what you want to achieve long-term as a church, you have to start upping that, that, that visual level of, um, and I think, you know, that's important when you're making decisions about people in those posts, not every senior leader needs to be a person that can see a hundred years but I think every senior leader has a responsibility to have a team around him that can help them see. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, and I think that that that's the challenge for me, and that's why it's important. Generational thinking is, you know, it's just that it's just that setup um, yeah. of yeah, what to invest in. So think, right, that's me. I'm three and done on this, Chris. You are three and done. You are three and done. Right, let's go on to my final one. Uh, my final one, my final next level change is create environments that foster friendships. That sounds lovely and fluffy, doesn't it? Um, but I think that what I'm meaning with this is um, I think in church life, we think that uh, we have to program people's friendships and we don't. But what we do need to help is we need to help everyone make friends. Yeah. And but you can't, you know, it's a bit like um, helping people make friends is a bit like helping people fall in love. <laughs> you just like if if you manufacture it, it ain't going to work. It's just, you know, there's something about when you, friendships that you can you can gather people together and you can create the environment. Um, but you can't program friendships but people need to we but if churches are going to remain strong strong churches that are at that kind of next level are where people can can come into your church and make friendships really quickly and they find people that are like them and that think in a similar way to them and i think that that's the responsibility of churches is to provide that now i think i'm coming more and more um to the opinion that groups on their own, we've talked about, you know, churches have traditionally done house groups, cell groups, all those kind of things, whatever groups you want to call them. And groups on their own don't do that. Because I think what happens is, is we, we don't naturally know what, we don't A, know why we're gathering people together. And also we're not being intentional about how and who we're gathering together. And so what happens is, is we just we just gather people. Normally, it's the, the, the classic one is age and gender. So we'll say we'll start a women's group and we'll start a men's group. And then we'll do a 
18 to 25s group or um, a 40s group or something like that. And, and for some reason, we think that just because of people are in the same age group, that they are going to be going through the same things, thinking the same things, and they're going to become great friends. And it's not actually always the case because there's so much differentiation between people of different ages. And this is where it coming back to this target market thing, where what we've, we've gone back to demographics and we, you know, we think that demographics are going to be the thing that are going to unite people just because, you know, let's get the women together because if you get the women together, they're all going to make friends. Well, it turns out, no, it doesn't work like that. Same with the men. You know, you set a men's group up and mo- most men don't really want to go to it. And uh, why is that? It's because there's something else in play. Just because you're putting people together doesn't mean they're suddenly going to become friends. So I think we need to work harder at providing great environments where people can become, become friends. And I think the, the groups can do that. I think that but having them around much more specific purposes, so uh, so topics or interests or things like that that gather people really, really well. Because uh, then you know, if we go to this and we're talking about this subject, the people that sign up to that are all interested in that subject. Yeah. So yeah. already you've got something in common. You've got something in common to, with which you can build a friendship. So if it's around, you know, interested in the book of Revelation, well, actually you've already got a conversation starter because you've got a load of people who are really interested in talking about the book of revelation. Alternatively, you can have a load of people who are really interested in um, being a better parent, for instance, and they're all interested in parenting. So you can, you know, they've got something straight away, which is a conversation starter. That's good. That, and that can never be, if that's where the friendship happens, that's not a friendship. You know, it's a bit like um, when you finish a job, when people finish jobs and you say, we're going to stay in touch. And then, of course, it doesn't because they all that all they had in common was was their job. And they might have had a few things else in common. But as soon as they left that environment, the friendship didn't stand the, stand the test of time. And and it's the same with with our programs that that we can provide an environment where people can make friends but the friendship has to happen outside. The friendship has to happen where, you know, in the all the other days, it's the, the time when you, you know, when you think I want to do something on a Saturday, whose garden am I going to go to, you know, and you, you, you text someone to say, can we hang out? And that's, that's the real tester of are, are you making friendships? And I think church can only do that first bit of making introductions. And I think we could make introductions by bringing people who are like-minded more than just the fact that they've got the same similar age or they are the same gender. So this is, um, I put this under um, in a, a phrase of creating the conditions by which, and then you add on, you know, by which, you know, want people to thrive, you want stuff to accept. Actually, believe it or not, the idea that this is a uh, there is a government mandate on this uh, for creating the conditions for a more integrated society. And they actually have papers written on this kind of thing because they don't want to mandate to people how, but their job is actually to create the conditions by which these things can happen. And it's a great way to kick off a project. You know, what are the conditions by which, you know, you know, creating the conditions by which this project will succeed? What do we need to have in place? I think that comes down to generational thinking, systems and processes, right content, and knowing who you're doing it for. Yeah. Like, it, this, this actually brings the whole piece together. 
actually, ultimately, what's one thing you need to do to get to the next level? You need to create the conditions by which you can succeed. That's the only way you're going to overcome and yep. get through wet water. And it's the only way you're, you're going to get through it without becoming dictatorial or dogmatic. You need to just be about creating the conditions by which people can integrate, people can make friends, people can encounter Christ. That's what we're about, creating the conditions. What do we need to create the conditions? We need principles, we need to know who it's for, great content, systems and policies, and thinking longer term. That's, that's, that's what we need in all of that. What it really comes down to is those elements of, if you're, if you're in project management, you're listening to this, or you do anything with continuous improvement, you're probably sick of the back teeth of these kind of uh, comments around, you know, creating these conditions. But it's, I think that's what it comes down to. Create the conditions by which, and then put your statement on it. And that's what you're going to kind of, you know, live and die by in terms of like where you're headed. Um, and that, 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 that's your job. Yeah, absolutely. I think that we can, all we can do as churches is majority of pastoral care and real pastoral stuff happens in friendships. If you've got great friendships, you've got the safety net of, you've got this community safety net, but all church can do is really create the conditions where that can happen. And there's this old phrase, I don't know how old it is, but I heard this recently, which is uh, people come for the content, but stay for the community. And if we can great make great content, then it can provide the environment where great community can happen. And I, I do, it's not our responsibility to control people's friendships, to, to provide the environment. We don't even have to say, we will provide your social time. All you can do is provide an environment where people can meet and then the friendship's got to happen. The they'll stay for the community because they, if you get that right, if you get the content right and you get the right people in the right room at the right time, then they will make community and that's what's going to keep people there. Absolutely. We, we tied that all down to basically one point by the end. I think we've done all right there. We've done pretty well. I think that's, that's, that's pretty good. Well, Lee, thank you so much, as always, uh, for another podcast. Oh, I'm always energised by these conversations, Chris. I love it. Yes, I will see you again for another one next week. And uh, until then, see you soon. See you soon. Well, thank you so much for joining us for this week's episode. And don't forget that you can send in your thoughts, comments, uh, discussions for whatever we've talked about. Uh, just drop us an email, podcast at thinking.church. And we'd love to be able to read it out on the show. Uh, we'll be back with another podcast next week. So stay tuned for that. Uh, we will see you soon. Bye for now.